You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 393, the trauma of hard drive failure and a supermarket suite for albums, support bands, love them or swerve them, and less Hugh Edwards means more flea bag. It's all coming up after the B-52s and Rome.
by Nile Rodgers and one from a number of singles released from the album Cosmic Thing. This single reached number three in America, number 17 over here in the UK. From 1990, the B-52s and Rome. Is there any such thing as an album that's been produced by Nile Rodgers that isn't good? He really does have the magic touch production-wise, doesn't he? He's such a class act. You make a fair point. And yeah, for so long, this is 1990, so you know, getting on for nearly 30 years ago. Mm, Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 393. I'm Terence Stackham. And look out, terms and conditions apply. It's Juliet Harris. <laughs> yes, thank you. Your home may be at risk if you leave all the doors and windows open, etc. Hello, everyone. Well, as you know, Jules, I've, I've been a convert to the digital road for access to music for many years. Well, you have. You've, you've yeah. been an, uh, almost, an, uh, if not an innovator, then definitely an early adopter. Early adopter, I like that. Well, you, of course, have continued to fly the flag for physical product in the sense that you love your vinyl records. And... This is true. Although, can I point out, hmm. we just ignore the five years I spent presenting an internet radio show. That clearly has no, well, no electronic yes. or digital thing at all. But no, I am very much... Yes. Uh, I, I will stand in front of my vinyl collection and stop you from getting to it and breaking it with a hammer because you don't approve. <laughs> well, over the years, I've argued the case for uh, simplicity and not having to faff about with sleeves and turntables and mm. record cuts and so on. But this week, there was an incident that sent... Oh, there's always an incident. Always an incident. Terrence, for goodness sake. Yet another incident, but this time it sent shivers through my soul. And I came to the difficult conclusion that you may have been right all along. Oh, well, you know, whilst I hate to say I told you so, it's also a favourite activity of mine, so carry on. Well, I have thousands and thousands of tracks stored on an external hard drive, all MP3s, the vast majority of which I don't have on vinyl. And this week, Hmm. I clicked to access some of those MP3s, and oh my goodness, nothing. The hard drive didn't appear. Oh, no, they weren't there, they weren't there. Oh my gosh. Hard drive didn't show up, it seemed dead, it was cold, Uh... literally cold to the touch. As oh, was no. my heart, and I thought... Oh, Terence, I am patting you from distance. I my, am sorry to hear this. My heart twisted itself inside out, Jules, it really did. I thought I'd lost the lot. Oh, my gosh. But joy returned when I realised it was just the power unit that you plug in to the wall, <laughs> and the disc survived. The disc was alive. But so, what if it hadn't have been, Terence? Well, it... Exactly. It proved to me what a tenuous, flimsy grasp I have on my music, unlike yourself, who can cherish them all in your arms. I can, yes. I can put them in frames on my wall if I so wish. And isn't that... Isn't that doesn't that show... Uh, the the ephemeral nature of the internet age generally, and you could apply the same principles across to on social media and and and, and things like that. People that think that stuff is very real often isn't real at all. It's just a concept. It's an idea. It's a notion. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a real thing. And uh, in also to put it perhaps in a slightly less philosophical way, easy come, easy go. It's there one minute. It's not the next. And and you know at least. At least if you lose something physically, you might eventually be able to find it. If I lose one, if I put one, if I misfile one of my records, um, and I probably do have several hundred albums now, hmm. it might take several hours to find it. Or CDs, I have to say, and I know you will find this very distressing, Terence. Yeah, so uh, yeah. this this next oh anecdote, oh this uh, it, it contains scenes which some of our co-hosts might find distressing. Um, I'll sit I back. Put, 
I put CDs back in the wrong box. Oh, that happens God. sometimes. I know, which means it's that you terrible. know, occasionally. I, but then I go on quite a fantastic voyage trying to put an album on sometimes. Because <laughs> I, it's a bit like being Columbo. You go through this kind of not exactly a paper trail, as a CD trail of all. You know, Super Fairy Islands is in the Nick Drake box, and then you go to the Nick Drake <laughs> box, and there's Blondie and that. So you go to the Blondie box, and so in a way, it's quite it's got a good tool. But, you get, but but eventually there is a resolution to that, and eventually mm. there's a resolution to if the record's in the wrong bits, you do. Find it eventually you can't exactly take the screwdriver off the back of a hard drive and go oh yes i can see my song it's, it's that little bit of green wire up there so so there's something you are always you're playing russian roulette terence with with, with all of this dependence on computing systems i know well of course much but not all you see of the music i nearly lost it was available on spotify youtube or other streaming services but there was something heartbreaking about contemplating Ooh, the loss yes. of a massive hard drive with years and years of music mm. collected on it you see it includes it's a collection terence it's a collection. it is a collection it, it, and having said that i'm gonna i'm gonna hmm. sort of defend you and attack myself hmm. briefly now it is still possible to lose physical things remember when i left that that, um, oh, that record box yes. outside my car yes and never found it yeah. that never ever ever turned up um but um, but yeah, like, like you say, so I do feel your pain, despite the fact that I've just you know rounded on you for relying on on you know the the, yes. the theoretical concepts of of digital music. Uh, losing a collection is heartbreaking, no matter the format. Well, you see, it includes every track that you and I have picked for this these podcasts because by necessity oh. they have to be in MP3. So I store them all afterwards, see. and it helps me. You know, if we say, "Well, did we choose that before?" I can sort of double check. Um, is it in the list of stuff that I've kept? I did back it up onto another hard drive a couple of years ago, but of course I haven't got, didn't have everything that I've put on it in the last few years. So this week I ordered a new one terabyte external hard drive and I've already... I thought you were going to say you got out and bought some vinyl this week. <laughs> I think that would have been the sensible conclusion to well, this. Well, you see, there'd have to be some... Honestly, I don't... I'll, I'll, I'll have to check and tell you, but I must have 50,000 tracks wow. on on wow. these um hard drives i, I, I feel like you're you're the elton to... john of this pairing <laughs> that, that you you know you're gonna have to Keep start everything. i don't know if it's still the case but at one point elton john used to have to employ a full-time and part-time librarian mm. to look after his music collection such was its vastness yes so well... it'd be interesting to... oh did you see there was a program on earlier in the week mm. um to do with hoarders and mm. I thought of I thought of us obviously, yes, of course. and um, I thought particularly of my music collection and your derision of my physical mm. collecting. You think I've got a problem? They had a man on this who likes CDs so much. I mean, CDs of mm. all things. Sorry, I feel like Maggie mm. Smith of all things, but anyway, he likes CDs, <laughs> and um, he spends a hundred and fifty pounds a day on oh, them. Oh no, and that's like a crack. Uh, how addiction. many? How storage-wise, Terence? Mm. Do you think that he just has one house? Well, I don't think he can do, can he, if he's got okay. 150... How many houses do you think he needs to store his CDs? Well, a second one to to put all the CDs in. Seven. Seven houses. <laughs> so, so, oh so it just goes to show you, there's always someone worse off slash slightly more interesting in the, in that department than us. So, uh, so I am um, I am sorry for your um, mm. your sort of uh, your your uh, tetrabyte <laughs> issues, but I, I very much wish 
you well and you and your uh, sort of only theoretically existent music collection very happy together now you see here's a thing though where your seven houses man and yourself here's a circumstance through which my hard drives and streaming services might win out over your physical disc because okay. let's hope it never happens but let's say we oh are you wishing ill on me Terry? no I'm really you might be. this is theoretical totally theoretical okay. and I hope so it never happens so your theoretical music collection this is a theoretical disaster before theoretical me, disaster we both have to leave a flaming building in a hurry you see i could, in such circumstances i could grab a hard drive and escape with my mm. fifty thousand tracks of music you okay. might be able to grab one lp like a sort of supermarket sweep with with dale winton <laughs> and a large inflatable record as well That's it. so if you could you see i wouldn't have to make this choice but if you could only grab one album or single as you fled the flames which one would you hope to find at the front of your collection and grasp to yourself outside? Well, well I'm going to approach this mm. physically on the basis that I could presumably get every other music again on on you know on other formats. So mm. I'm going to pick something that is sort of unique to me, if you see what I mean. Okay. Um, my possibly favourite ever record store day experience, notwithstanding the lovely times I spent at Music's Not Dead watching their bands in Bexhill, yes. um, was the year that I managed to do the entire thing from bed, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting to do. <laughs> so I've been, I think as regular to start, I've been quite a fan of a band called Savages. Oh yeah. For some years, and I unusually for me was actually in with them at the you know I I went to see them before the first album came out up in Camden with a couple of friends of mine, and uh, they, as a result of which I followed them on all channels, I was playing them on the radio, that kind of thing, and I found um, their record label, which I think is called Pop Noir. Um, they had a little sort of record store day thing on their website, and for think it was tw- it was 20 pounds i think i don't think it was 10 i think it was 20 i bought their debut album on clear vinyl and all four of them had signed the sleeve oh, yeah. so i have to say if i was gonna grab hurriedly something from the building i would grab that on the basis that i could probably find the other stuff again but and, and you know what Fair that's, point. Phys- that's why physical formats mm. are good because you can personalize them in a way that you can't digital formats I know, I know. I've learnt my lesson this week, I really have. Just just the pot shot of you at the last minute. But having said that, you know, from a storage point of view, you know, Mm. your house is probably much, 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 much tidier than mine, I suspect. So, um, so, you know, it does Mm. have its positives, like you say. And also, you can back it up. So, yes. so, and you can't back up a vinyl collection. This is it. I've got, I've got three hard drives now, each, each mirroring each other, just in case Whereas two of them house, fail. If, oh, if my it. house sets on fire, I don't have, I don't have my snooted. vinyl collection in no. duplicate, unfortunately. Should venues hold back on announcing stage time so that we all get to see the support bands, whether we like it or not? Um, that's next from it after PJ Mar.
I do like these uh, what I call fizzy pop type tracks mm. where I could just uh, binge on them repeatedly over and over and over again. This is it has signs of turning into this year's Boys by Lizzo for me, which was last <laughs> year's obsessive I can't stop playing this track. This is the same. I, I love this. It's a she, Pijama is um, a girl from France who's I think about 22, very young and uh, she doesn't really seem to have a proper sort of, so, well she's got a social media operation and she's got a Facebook etc but she seems to run it herself. I don't mm. know if she's on a label or not but it's certainly not a label with much money behind it by the look of it. I just, I love this. I, I, I did the whole album is excellent and i would i would recommend the whole album hugely because it does i think this is one of the obviously one of the better tunes because it's a sort of radio leader single type thing it's called nice to meet you i regret to inform you that the u is expressed by a single letter but mm. she is young um and it was good enough for prince so mm. so you know that's okay but um no i i do really like that i think it's just joyful sort of pop and lovely little drum fills and you know almost frere jacques Trail chanting and i think it's great that was um i o i and that spelt letter i and then o h and then letter i again and um it's great and she's appearing in london on the 27th and 29th of march this year as well mm. and some dates in france and that, I think. Mm. well you know what it's like you're going to see uh, one of your favorite bands or artists but you find out what time they're due on stage so you can get to the venue as late as possible and swerve the support acts well at least that's the way a lot of us prepare for a gig but this week london's 100 club has announced that it will no longer advertise the stage timings for anyone appearing at the venue and Mm. this is a well-meant initiative aimed at ensuring more people are in the place when the support act is on and to be fair it must be a little soul destroying for support bands to play perhaps even in a larger venue than the 100 club and find only a a handful of uh, of gig goers in place for their set um where do you stand on this jules are you duty bound to be there for the support acts or is it okay just to rock up when the headliner is about to appear well it's tricky isn't it there are arguments both ways for this i unfortunately i can't find the lyrics in full but i'm very much reminded of um of i ludicrous um who were a funny little um <laughs> funny little sort of a c86 era band who did a song called we're Su- we're the support band and the lyrics are full of things like we come from out town our van's broken down we are the support band <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah they um as someone that has worked, you know played as a support band mm. at things i mean it is you are destined to a life of a sitting around whilst the headliner sound checks, and then you get ten minutes at the end. Mm-hmm. And uh, and b, um, not many people coming to see you. That is kind of a fact of life. Really. Now I went to a gig last night. <coughs> Excuse me. I went to a gig in Hastings. A friend of mine who I know through, uh, who's a, fun enough, a local builder who's also a singer-songwriter who is mm. excellent. I know him through sort of networking locally. He's a nice lad. He had a competition on his Facebook page where he said, oh, like or share my, this link. I'm supporting somebody in Hastings. Um, if you like or share, um, then the first prize wins two tickets and a gig in their house. And the second prize wins two tickets as merchandise. And I just liked and sort of shared it, partly to support my friend, really. And I think mm. he's a, a talented songwriter. And... He contacted me a week ago and said, you have won two tickets and a merchandise bag, which is great. So I took my friend, who I haven't seen for ages, we were so rock and roll, she managed to get a babysitter, so we went out to this gig. And uh, we then met Jamie and said, oh, you know, he he said, oh, I've got a babysitter this evening too. So everybody is not hugely rock and roll. But um, (laughs) but we we went early, and obviously we ended up going early to support him, because he was the support man. But I was delighted to see that the vast majority of the audience were there for him. It wasn't a big gig, but it was, you know, it was sort of in a room upstairs above a, above a restaurant and and you know lots of people had turned up to see him already and it's always like you say it's it's 
it, it's it's I hate it when people talk through the support band. I find that really rude when they don't. I mean, it's rude when people talk through any band. And there was a lovely sign up in the venue last night saying, "If the band is interrupting your conversation, then it's you that's mm. in the wrong place," which I thought was quite a good way of putting it. But but I find it rude when when people sort of show disrespect to them. Really, although if I do, if I'm not feeling a support band, I tend to go to the bar nowadays rather mm. than standing and talking. I prefer to do that. But you know, there, there are two sides to this, aren't there? There's the do you show respect by going to see the support band and you know do you do you you know do, do you show do you show respect for seeing them but equally you didn't pay money to see the support band quite often the support band is not announced at the same time as the headliner so i've had lots of experience where i've been really pleased I bought tickets for the headliner, so when I was at university, I bought tickets to see Doves, um, which was great, and I'm, I was really pleased to have got tickets. Mm. But I was also doubly delighted to see, after I bought tickets, they announced that the support act were the Delgados, oh. who I liked very much indeed, mm. possibly even more than Doves. So uh, so I got to see both bands, which I was so pleased about. And um, But having said that, I didn't buy a ticket to see the Delgados. I was delighted that they were there, but I didn't. Mm. I, I've, 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 and, and I've discovered some great bands as support bands. I saw Gemma Hayes supporting Suede, liked her very much. Saw Sons and Daughters, who I think I might have played on the, on the podcast, mm. certainly on my radio show. I saw them supporting Idlewild, and obviously Idlewild were impressed because the singer is now married to the bass player. So I assume that they also had a nice time watching the support act. But mm. um, but I find it. I find that side of things, the idea that, yeah, it's disrespectful to talk through them, but equally, do I have to be there if I didn't pay to watch them? Do you know what I mean? I paid to watch the headliner. And also... What is quite good, and I've and I this sounds like a bit of an excuse, but I have used this before. Is when you get stage times, if I'm going to see a band after work, if it's a if it's a a, a weeknight gig, mm. if I'm seeing them in a town that where I'm not where I'm not for for example, I go to see gigs in Brighton sometimes, mm. and I'm about an hour's train ride away from Brighton where I where I work at the moment. Mm. So so that means that you know, if a doors open at half seven. It means if I don't finish work till five or later than that, I've got to get over to Brighton on trains, which do not have, you know, the thing about trains, they're not instant, are they? You sometimes have to wait for a train, uh, whether or not you're meant to, you still have to. So so you've got to get a train over, get something to eat, and then get in and see. So sometimes, if you're travelling to a gig, seeing the support band simply isn't viable. And actually, having the, the, the sort of time the headliner is on... It's sort of helpful for life planning, really. And also, I don't really want to. This is the excuse element. I don't want to walk in. If, if I go to a gig in a small venue, which I mm. often do, I don't want to clatter in halfway through the support band. Mm. I don't want... I think that's rude. Particularly if it's singer-songwriters, and often it is, you know... This sounds like I'm taking the mickey. I'm not. But often if you yeah, sing... bearing their soul, yes. And it's everybody cross-legged yeah. on the floor. And mm. so, you know, the last thing I want to do is walk in halfway through through 35 mm. people, which is not a big enough crowd to hide in. Yeah. Go, sorry, sorry, hello, sorry, sorry, excuse <laughs> me, sorry, sorry. Or someone's on stage talking about the death of their mother or whatever, you know. Mm. it's, re- it's That's not great. So in a way, I find that quite useful. But equally, it is dispiriting to be in a support band and have 10 people there i can see what they're trying to do with this they are trying to be kind to support bands and that and show solidarity and i think that's a really nice thing there's not enough we talk about this sometimes in the podcast mm. there's not enough kindness in the world at the moment i do hope that this is from a, a point of view of kindness i don't know if there's a commercial dimension to this i haven't really thought about that but i 
my view is is that I can see what they're trying to do, but equally, sometimes for reasons of practicality, as I've just explained, I can't always see the support band, and I don't want to clatter in halfway through. Yes, I too can see it's well-intentioned, but like you and possibly many, if not most of our listeners, I've arrived at a venue in Tumsey's support acts only for dozens and dozens of people around me to talk noisily all, all the way through the set, and then people clattering around with drinks and talking on their phones. So it could backfire and cause more problems for those supporting acts. Particularly if, particularly if you don't know when they're on. Yeah, and, yeah, and exactly. Yeah, therefore, you... they really have been forced upon you then, haven't yeah. they? And that's not going to increase behaviour. Whereas, you know, if... Surely it's better if you know that you're not that interested in the support act or if it's someone you actually don't like. You know, at least you know that you can give it a wide berth. And then that way, yeah. it's better to be not there than there and disengaged or talking to somebody else. And I think if I was a supporting act, I'd rather play in front of 20 people who are listening and supportive yes, rather than in front absolutely. of 200 who are laughing and joking. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think support panzer acts are often on a hiding to nothing. Many headliners with, with that sort of paranoia that permeates the music business would rather have a non-threatening act as support. Oh, yeah, there is anyone who won't that, steal their there, thunder, yeah. yeah. But considering the huge costs, you know, you, you, you mentioned there of going to the, some of these venues and, and time and effort and energy and, and as well as the cost um involved as an audience member i think it would be a good shift if more headline acts took more of an interest and perhaps even curated the artists to support them because i think more fans of the headline artists or artist might mm. turn up if they knew their hero or heroine had actually specifically chosen the support yes, acts. yes that's really true i think so and you can tell sometimes when people choose support acts Mm, I think so. I, I, ultimately, I think stage timings should be advertised because um, at the end of it all, I want the choice of when I arrive at a venue to be mine. I don't want to be bullied into turning up at a time to be forced to watch a sport act because I don't know when the headliner is coming on. That just seems silly and perverse to me. Mm, I agree. Coming next, significant changes to BBC One and the importance and funding of news broadcasts. That's next after the splendid Tanita Tickerum. Thank you. 
30 years now since her first album, but uh, through the intervening years, there's been a, a succession of really good albums and singles, most of the albums in particular making the charts around the world. This was the first single from her 2016 album, Closer to the People, Tanita Tickerham and Glass Love Train. We were saying before mm. we came on air that I, I always I always forget about her. Mm. I don't know why, because I, I, I do like her. I, I enjoy her music, but I always just kind of forget it's there and then all of a sudden it pops up again and I think oh yes I do enjoy this and also always really nice I do really like good tradition but it's the only Mm. thing that is ever ever played anyway so it's nice to hear stuff that isn't that absolutely and she's got a good um, consistent body of work through the years and the the albums are successful not sort of top five but they sell and she's very popular across um, most of Europe most Mm. of her albums chart across Europe which is and that's that's the key isn't it? I think mm. we talked about this before in the podcast. That's the key to keeping keeping a career now to be just just popular enough in mm. particularly across widespread markets in order to, not markets. Oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> a widespread of different you know what different mm. areas mm. to to keep yourself viable, just to be able to keep yourself going. And she keeps herself viable because she's just popular enough. And that's the thing. And if you want to be a working musician, in the same way that sort of a, low, a lower ranking footballer, mm. you know, sometimes you might not be the you know you might not be the best singer ever. Even if you are the best singer ever, you might not have that thing that just inexplicably makes you popular. If you what i mean but equally you know if you're if you're willing just to just to get to a certain level and just be happy at being that certain level and not having you know wild ambition to go above that Mm. then that's how you can maintain a career and do what you want to i think so better to have a long consistent career than sort of fire up like a rocket and then fizzle out like icarus flying into the sun jewels as ever you are poetic Terence. there was a there was a time when television channels and, and probably radio stations here in the uk were very limited and so the news bulletins were generally at a set time and not to be missed and uh, back before 24 hour rolling news it, one's heart would jump if if news interrupted regular tv pro- programming because you knew something very significant had happened the programme would fade and a very stern looking news person would appear we interrupt this programme to bring you a news flash and mm, many oh people sit up sit up yeah, yeah well, many people of my generation can remember that was the way we found out for example president kennedy had been shot by one of these fading in stern looking uh, people telling us nowadays news is so much easier to access social media often seems to break news stories And for more detail, there are the rolling 24-hour-a-day news channels. So, should we be surprised that the BBC is cutting its news budget for both the World Tonight on Radio 4, but also the main flagship news, the News at 10 on BBC One, which will be cut short by 10 minutes. Now, Jules, do you support this and the shows that are popping up to take the place of the news aiming to attract a youthful audience fleabag stacy dooley and eating with my ex well i do feel sorry for those shows and i do feel sorry for youth programming the thing that that annoys me about this is that once again youth programming hasn't it's been cut and cut the bbc bbc3 has been taken off air as a channel Mm. and put online and to be fair it still does really good programming there's been some excellent programs that have been made as a result but that you know the story is not about all they use it you know that it's being taken off air to make way for youth programming that is not the story the story is is that the bbc is under a phenomenal 
pressure of funding and actually the real story behind this is the ongoing row over whose whose role and, and moral responsibility i think more than anything else it is to fund television licenses for the over 75s because mm. it used to be the government that did this and now the government is telling that Theresa May is telling the BBC that it's their job to do this. When actually there was a report earlier this week that said that that for many, there are fifty percent of elderly people that don't speak to somebody in a week, which is just mm. shocking, isn't it? And the lot and the vast majority of people polled for this said that the main source of company and comfort was the television. Mm, now, now that you. might be very sad, but mm. equally, it is fulfilling a social function and a social right. It doesn't, it doesn't make that okay. It doesn't solve the other issues that are thrown up by this. But So I feel that is... I'm going to say now, I feel that's not the BBC's job. That is, the BBC may be a public service broadcaster, but if we're genuinely saying that that is the social and moral widespread implication of this, the government has dropped... I could say something slightly swearing, mm. but the purposes of this podcast, I will say the ball rather than something mm. else on 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 this. So my view is is that the government's got to clear up its own mess rather than delegating its mess to people like the BBC. I'm not saying the BBC is faultless. We've talked before on this podcast about managerial structures at the BBC, mm. large salaries, you know, mission creep, the wasting of money, etc. But I do feel that the BBC. I, I think. I, I think it's terrible the, the money that's been taken from the BBC at the moment. How more and more is being expected, expected of it as the public service broadcaster, with with less and less funds to do it. But I do think that in this time of, you know, fake news worldwide confusion I do think news broadcasting is more important than ever I don't think it has become less important we might not have well thanks to breaking news we have your Kennedy style announcements mm. all the time at the moment it would yeah. seem. but I think it's really important that the BBC is doing that and actually not to, to go off on a side note on that not everybody has rolling news not everybody's glued to rolling news because we've talked previously about um when we had that conversation about whether or not we still need to do traffic things on, mm. on radio and, stuff, mm. and i made the point that the vast majority of people still listen to radio on what you call analog means so in cars in shops mm. in workplaces and i think news is to some extent i know it's different it'd be different age-wise and generationally mm -hmm. if you go down the sort of the thing but i i think at the moment it feels to me like the vast majority, vast majority of all, what I would call ordinary working people, which sounds cliche, but I think it's true, consume news uh, on TV at the breakfast table or in the evening, and perhaps six o'clock, perhaps ten o'clock. There's reason why the BBC still is structuring structuring the news day around those. I still think that's how people consume news. I think it's really important. I know that all news, the presentation of all news, is always going to have a level of bias to it. It might be in a different direction, but I think that television news still i still still feels safer to me at the moment than online news it still feels less malleable less twistable less less viable less fundable than 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 news on tv and i and so i i don't want to make this about well, isn't it terrible that they've taken some of the news off of stacy duty because that is not the story for mm. me that is a distraction i wonder if to some extent if they are showcasing uh, this sounds awful i sound like an awful kind of marketing person now but if they are showcasing their youth programming for 10 minutes maybe maybe that that is a purpose as well i don't know but i certainly i know the pressure the bbc is under and that's why i get across that people are kind of blaming the bbc for oh they've got their priorities wrong but you know they've got to put something if they're feeling they can't they can't fund 20 minutes worth of news but i think that 
I think they should be prioritising news above anything else at the moment, particularly on the radio as well. The World Tonight is a really special programme, and I'm sad at the thought of it being shorter because I think, as someone said to me once, I always learn something new at the end of that. I've never listened to it for an hour or however long it is and thought at the end, oh, oh that told me something, oh, that told me everything I already know. There's a couple of bits I really agree with you on. There's another part there that I'm not sure about. The bits, oh, okay. I, the bits yeah. I really agree with you on, a 200 tax on viewing for the very elderly is just beyond the pale there's just no justification for it to suddenly throw that in where some people um, will genuinely have to choose whether to heat eat or watch tv when it's their companion it's just just terrible um i also agree with you that um despite them not being on mainstream tv bbc3 are turning out some really brilliant reality documentaries in the recent uh couple of few weeks i've watched via youtube actually because they they put them up there um homelessness in brighton uh, a splendid series on that very watchable and 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 quite moving and also um at the moment i'm halfway through a 13 part series of from bbc3 on um drug issues in leeds yorkshire again reality documentaries mm. so they're very very uh, engaging and well made the whole situation, though, goes to the heart of the purpose of the BBC, which has raged on since the days of Lord Reith. Is it, is it to compete? Because they seem to be terrified of losing young viewers to Netflix, mm. YouTube and Amazon. So it also throws up a much deeper question about the place of tax-funded broadcasting and is it value? Is it needed in a fragmented marketplace where the percentage share of viewers is shifting, as is the way we access media. As I said, I now watch BBC Three on YouTube. So many people watch TV on a time shift basis now, um, mm. and there's a less of an argument for having a proper um, or old-fashioned TV channels. And into that debate comes the news. Do we need lengthy news bulletins on mainstream BBC channels when they when long-form news is avail- available free to all on the 24-hour BBC news channel? So maybe, and of course, uh, f- finally for me, maybe too, if they, as you said, if they spent less money on so-called senior managerial salaries and pensions, that they, the BBC might have a few quid to spend on making more TV programmes. Mm, agree. Jules, when you're not reassuring yourself that you have the Savages signed LP closely to hand... I mean, I might have it sewn into the lining of my coat, I must admit. I think that might be the best way of getting around this. When you're not doing that, where can we find you this week? Well, you can find me, depending on how early bird you are in listening Mm. to this podcast. Um, If you're listening on Saturday, the 16th of Feb, you can find me at the Dragon Bar this evening in Hastings, playing some tunes uh, without Bongo Debbie, who is otherwise engaged. But I will be, I know, it's a pity. But, you know, I I am to some extent a draw. So so I will be (laughs) playing a few tunes and uh, probably sneezing everywhere. So apologies. But, uh, but no, you know, having a good time for a little while, I think. 8 till 11 p.m., the Dragon Bar, which is um, in George Street in Hastings. Thanks to you for listening. Yeah, particularly you, always. And thanks to executive producers Rhoda and Hilly. And um, here we are now, Jules, a man who was 80 years old on Valentine's Day this week. I know. Happy Valentine's Day to Razzie Bailey. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I just adore this. And the thing I love about this was featured prominently in the soundtrack to the film American Honey a few years ago. And it was originally in 1974 this, this was sort of written and, and, and performed. And I love this because it feels... 
it's a lovely positive message and it also feels very apt to our times that we live in at the moment particularly uh, the, uh, the 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 paragraph that the verse there's so much hate going on today on the right and on the left you see we hate our brothers yes we do and we hate our own self that feels very apt for modern britain and the modern world frankly and i i just love the message of this and it's a it's a cracking soul cut as well so what what else do you want really so uh, this is razzy bailey and a message for us and this is i hate hate all right now here's a little song i want everybody to listen to it's talking about love and it's talking about hate you know i think the only way we're going to do away with hate is to get so much love going around till it just won't be any more hate There's so much hate going on today on the right and on the left You see, we hate our brothers, yes we do, and we hate our own self There's even hate going on today between the young folks and the old Can't you see all this hate is of our very soul That's why I'm singing now I hate hate Everybody listen to me I hate hate All sing together now I hate If you feel like it, sing along. And if you don't want to sing along, maybe you can clap your hands. The good book says to love your enemy, but we don't comprehend. listening to a DACA Media Production.